Welcome to No Gray Areas Podcast. Today we have special guest, Chris Brown. I promise you, you're not gonna wanna miss this. He talks about the power of choices and the freedom and the hope that we have in the midst of our failures, in the midst of our poor choices. So join us now, Chris Brown. Chris Brown, welcome to the No Gray. Two, one. Chris Brown. <laughs> this is going to be a bad this day, buddy. Great. I love it. I told you when you called me. I love it. Hey, thanks for dressing up for us, though. This is big. I appreciate it. This is my three piece because my shoes actually mask the t shirt. So, this is for Southern California. This is huge. Well, most people are listening. They don't get, they didn't get to see that. I was actually impressed with how high you got your foot. Do that yeah. again. Nope, because I again. pulled something and right now I got excruciating pain <laughs> going on that part of my thigh. All your the way IT to my band back. is ruined. Yep. Yeah. Which you use your IT band a lot now. Yeah, don't you? I have a guy as in a charge preacher. of IT, so I don't even do anything with the band or bandwidth. <laughs> Got it. I got it. Well, Chris, it's it Let's is start over. it is in three. Two, yes, no, go we're ahead, going Pat. with all of this. We're going with all this. It is man. It's super good having you on this. So I told you a little bit about it. The No Gray Areas podcast is built around. We're making a movie. It's a cautionary tale, yeah. a redemptive story, biggest sports scandal that they know of in history. It's a cool thing. So even when you told me about that months ago, I went online and started looking at the sports scandal. I remembered, oh yeah, I remember they see they had some yeah. problems. And I went back and looked at it and said, Oh, yeah, I can't wait to watch a movie on this one. Oh, the script is done. Mm. So well. It's so well done. Mm. It's 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 a fascinating story. It's gonna be good. I've been watching um emails just wondering like what part I'm playing in the movie. I maybe you haven't yeah. gotten to roles yet, but it's it's gonna be exciting to see what part I get to play. <laughs> well, I was kind of waiting until we get you on the podcast. I was gonna tell I mean, we're looking at you for the main character. I, I figure yeah. when people the, look the at only... me, they think athlete, basketball. Well, not not the basketball main character, oh. the guy that masterminded. It, the brains behind it. Oh, the evil genius. The only problem we have is he, he's 24 at the time. Yeah. And you're how old now? Well, why don't we start the movie as an old guy, kind of, sort of like in prison, looking back? And I'll be the old guy in prison. Could be it. Done. You could be. Whew. I like it. I like Podcast it. saved. <laughs> Good. So um, I had actually about a year ago, uh, I had one of the best compliments that I've ever gotten. I had preached at Rock Point Church in Phoenix area. Ooh, um, and Bush. I, I know that yeah, well. What's yeah, his name? Yeah. Um, Bill Bush. Bill Bush. Yeah, yeah, great church. Came out to the, the coffee shop out there, and it was in the lobby, and some young lady behind the counter said, you remind me of one of my favorite pastors. I grew up in the church out in California, and I'm like, oh, please say Chris Brown. And she said, Chris Brown. No way. So Just muscular build. That's what she said. arms t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. She, said, she yeah. goes, the message wasn't the good. The message but, was man. terrible. The only physique I've seen like that on a pastor, Chris Brown. That was totally it. That was you totally seriously, it. someone said that outside of a church yeah, in Arizona. Because I told a big story that day. Which, is, <laughs> which was probably not your, true. Your narrative speak, yeah. She's like, the only other pastor I know that lies a lot. That Chris makes Brown. up stories. There you go. Chris Brown, that's that's what it was. Well, Chris, choice is one of the things that we're talking a lot about. It's about the movie. It's We're trying to reach a million students with this initiative. Yeah. Talking about the power of choice, the consequences of choices, the fact that what you do at 18, 19, 20, you live with that the rest of your life. Mm. So you coming from a faith-based perspective and you're a deep, deep theological... (laughs) See, you can't even say that with a straight face and put the word, Chris Brown, deep, deep, you just crack up halfway I was trying. You were trying. I was trying to say it with a straight face. But you are. You joke about not being that way. I mean, you're... you you. uh, you are a narrative storyteller. Oh yeah. You make the Bible come alive or whatever you're speaking about. You make Bible it come is alive. alive. It I is. just allow people to see it for what it, it is. is. Yeah. It is. People feel like they're in the story. But I don't think it's something that we talk about very often. Hmm. The theology of choice. 
Yeah. You know, and that's that makes this kind of a, a Christian podcast right now because I use the word theology. All right, I'll clean up my Steve, act. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, theology, <laughs> system of beliefs. I'm in the pastor zone now. But but what do you what what do you think about that? Like I I, I don't think we talk much about it. Yeah, but we don't. I think choice is one of the most beautiful things that we've been given, but it's also what gets us in a lot of mess. It's what differentiates us from the animal kingdom, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. So speak into that. To steal a line from the old book, Line of Heart, you just reminded me, it's sort of like a scalpel. A uh, scalpel is neither good nor bad. It's whoever's hand. A sharp blade is good nor bad, whatever hand it's in. And I think choice is that way, because you said it's one of the most beautiful things we have, but some people would say it's the most dangerous. I mean, why in the world did God allow choice, free will? I mean, it's, yeah. it's asinine. And you're right. I don't think we talk about it a whole lot. I think for me, I would go back to it's page three in the Bible. Page one and two set up that there is a creator behind creation. Mm -hmm. um, there is an unmade maker. There is a designer behind the intricate designs uh, of this earth and all that we know. So there's a purpose to it. Page one and two. Page three, what uniquely separates woman and man from the animal kingdom is we've been given choice. Yep. And it's funny. It's a beautiful thing. But also on page three, Genesis chapter three of the Bible, you yeah. see it can be an incredible, devastating thing. Yeah. Because you have the ability to choose positive, negative, right and wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And they chose wrong. And we still see, yeah. we, we're still dealing yeah. with ramifications. You and I are the knuckleheads we are today. Thanks, because Adam. They, Thanks, Eve. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah. But and, there's the reverse side of that, though, too, right? A hundred percent. And people always ask, you know, especially yeah, like you've been in that. I was a youth pastor for many, many years and decades and loved with student ministries. Now, you know, I'm still a youth pastor. I just got a bunch of gray haired people in my youth group. Yeah. But people always ask, why did God I mean, when you choice? matured and grew up, you yeah. had to kind of Now that I'm the ministry. deep, deep theologian <laughs> that you claim I am. <laughs> but people still ask, why would God allow choice? Why would God allow evil? Or why does God allow mm -hmm. hurt, harm? And to realize the answer to that question is because God had to allowed choice. So the whole narrative of creation, God said, let us make man and woman in our image. The plurality, the three in one, the triune God says, look, here's what's going to separate humans from the rest of the animal world. You're going to have choice. Um, and that's what makes us in the image of mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. Why did God allow it? Because God's oh, his overall attribute character is love. Love is a choice. If you don't have choice, you can't allow love in the world. And yep, so yep. when you say, why is there evil? Why is there wrong? Because as you said, it can go there. The choice to unlove is evil. The choice to unlove is to hurt. The choice to unlove is not to protect. The choice to unlove is to abandon, to reject, to abuse. So God had to allow evil if he was going to allow love because love is a choice. Now, unfortunately, many of your listeners, and we all know people who have been caught in the backwash of someone's choice to un love yep. but god gave it there for there to be love yeah. if there's no evil if there's no wrong there can also be no love yeah because love is a choice yeah well and when we look around our world we see plenty of examples of the unloved right like mm. read the news and I, I think you know I, I remember going to the rwandan genocide oh my gosh. Um, museum in rwanda and reading something after the genocide in germany in the 40s you know the the, the famous phrase never again yeah and in fact, there was a genocide somewhere in the world every decade since then. Yeah. So we definitely see the unloving part of choice. Yeah. I think we miss sometimes, though, we see the loving side of choice that humans make, even humans that don't even believe in God, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, right now in the news, we're seeing all this stuff about the shootings that are taking place around the country. Every time that happens, there's literally hundreds of people that are willing to lay down their lives, lining up to give blood, shielding uh, yeah. innocent victims. Yeah. 
So we see both in our world, yeah. don't we? Those that go into the line of fire, those yeah. that put themselves between us and harm's way. It is constant. It's the same side of the coin. What allows evil, what allows heartbreak, heartache, genocide, or each of us, our deepest scars that we carry in life is where someone unloved us. But it's the same side. The other side of the coin is, the other side of choice is, but look at what love has brought. Look, if, if you're in I, 27 years, I've been married to the most gorgeous, godly Jewish woman, dark skin, perpetually tan, long, dark hair, all Okay, okay, eyes. okay, let's go on. Let's Woo! Go. <laughs> like, God loves Jews. Man, I got to marry one. So like half yeah. my kids are chosen, half my kids are a prayer yeah, request. Um, but for 27 years, that woman, in despite of who I am and what I've given, has chosen to love. And I get to reap the benefit every night I, I, I get to go home. Yeah. That man, that was a choice to love, and I've chose to love her. The opposite side of that is divorce, heartbreak, rape, you know, rejection, yep, betrayal. Yep. And it's like, why does God allow? Because God wanted us, begs us, make the choice on the love side. Mm -hmm. And God should have said, no, no choice. But then there's no love. Yeah. We're robots. We're an animal kingdom. We procreate. We either we eat our spouse or we eat our young or we mate for life. That's not a choice different animals have. That's what their species do. Yep. You instinct. are just migrating instinct according to the sun and the seasons. And God said, no, you and you alone will be set apart in creation. And what he did is gave a tree and choice. And page three says that's what humans have that no other living creature has. It's what makes us in the image of God because God wants us to experience all that is love, all that is right, all that is beauty, all that is comfort, all that is security. And for us to have that, every one of those are choice, 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 which the other side of the coin is a dark one. Many of us have been caught up with people that chose wrong. Yeah. And I like what you said mm -hmm. where some of the deepest scars we carry as human beings are, yeah. are because someone made a poor choice and unloved us yeah. in some way. Or some but of my deepest side. scars also are the where I've hurt people. Yeah, most yeah. of the time unintentionally, but I'm like, man, I hurt those people. Yep, yep. My biggest regrets are when I have chosen to take an option that I'm like, man, that came off incredibly unloving, or I just did unlove. Yeah. Well, so so okay, that's that's a great lead way into this. Let's go back. Yeah, no, that was great. That's why you're a communicator. That's it. You I know where you're going. You transitioned smoothly into that. So. You're from Texas originally, right? What part, oh, yeah. What part of Texas? Oh, uh, far east, far west. I always tell people, I, I come, I lived in the two armpits or the two bungholes of Texas. I, I, no, I, was, I told you if you use bunghole on this, <laughs> then I would buy you dinner. So you, you, I will you get do two anything for dinner. Um, in between Houston and the Louisiana border in the swampy, humid, crawdad, serpent-infested marshes is a place called Beaumont, Texas. We lived outside of Beaumont. It's like maybe an hour drive from Louisiana, maybe mm -hmm. less than that. Um, so my elementary years were over in Beaumont, and then all my teenage years were Did you say thanks, Mom and Dad? Yeah. Well, as a kid, I loved it. <laughs> you I didn't mean, know anything. I'm hunting turtles, snakes, crawdads. Oh, yeah. Most of the things can kill you, but that's why you carry a long stick. So as a kid, man, I loved growing up. up. Yeah. I had aquariums, I had boxes. I was always keeping something in the backyard. And then all my teenage years, far, far west, El Paso. And that's right on New Mexico or Mexico. In mm -hmm. fact, there's a lot of people from West Texas, but when you talk to them, they're from the panhandle. Yeah. And I'm like, you got to drive another six hours to get to West Texas. Texas is a big state. And Texas doesn't even claim El Paso. That little tip on the far, Texas is like, look, you can be New Mexico or Mexico. We don't yeah, care. Stop don't calling yourself you. Texas. Yeah. Um, but that's where I grew up. The yeah. two, two armpits It's funny of Texas. that you say that because I thought for a long time that El Paso was in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. 
And that's because Texas keeps trying to push it. It is. It's right like, it's out there. Just yeah. cut the little yeah. tip off and say, just go. But it's right on the border of Mexico, New Mexico. And you've got to drive hours yeah. across West Texas to find Texas cities. Yeah. That's where I grew up. So how in the world did you end up as a pastor? Because it was, I, you've, I've heard you tell your story a little bit. It's oh, kind of man. the last place you thought you would be or how you would end up, right? When you were When in... God got a hold of my life, if someone would have pulled me aside and said, by the way, you're eventually going to be a pastor, I would have jumped out the window and ran. Same thing most of your teachers I, would have thought, yeah, too. <laughs> I hated church, and I hated pastors. Both of those, for very good reason. That hatred was earned in my life. Mm. We grew up, and again, I always try to say, hey, mom and dad, thank you. Um, they were trying their best, but mom and dad both came from broken first marriages. My mom came with two kids. Um, my dad meets my mom. They come together. I'm not embarrassed to say it, but God rest my parents in Texas. They may be embarrassed if they hear this, but mom has to tell my dad she's pregnant. My dad's like, oh, we should probably get married. Mm -hmm. Mom and dad then, now they got two kids, one on the way, they get married and they realize we will not let our families go down the route, both of our first marriages. So to their credit, they thought, how can we protect a young family? Let's find the most conservative thing in America. Our church left Southern Baptists because they, they thought were. Southern Baptists were way too liberal. <laughs> so they found a branch that now I look back and call it cultic Christianity, where guys and girls cannot swim in the same swimming pool. You can't go in a house that had a billiard table. Uh, you can't watch cartoons because animation is yeah. from the devil. The Smurfs, oh my gosh, the oh, spells yeah. of oh, Papa yeah. Smurf. Yeah. And, um, I mean, they were mixing potions. So I, so I still witchcraft. Agree. The little blue creatures under mushrooms scare you anyway. But anyway, um, and uh, you couldn't play anything with a deck of cards. Like either goldfish, oh, I mean, nothing that had a deck of yeah. cards associated yeah. with it. And again, my parents were just trying to go, how do we save a yeah. family? But in doing that, they threw out love, freedom, grace, and mercy for conservative, cultic, dogmatic Christianity where I was taught hypocrisy my whole life because no one can live up to that. And so, really, I hated church. I hated the pastors. I was abused in a Christian school by one of the pastors on that when I was a young guy. So I just knew the whole thing was a sham. And it was into my, uh, into my 20s. My older brother had come back to knowing who God was in his life personally. And he kept an eye on me. I got out to Southern California just because I left El Paso, wanted someplace where there was water. And I'm a fisherman, loved it out here. And after a while, my brother just spoke into my life and just said, mm -hmm. hey, how you doing? And I go, man, I'm doing good. And he said, no, you're not. And I swung around. I'm, I'm in his garage. I swung around to say something funny and snappy. And when I saw his eyes, I realized he wasn't just making a comment. He was telling me, you're not doing good. And I shrugged it off. I said, well, I'm doing as good as I can. And he said, no, you're not. And he goes, Chris, I want to tell you two things. Number one, God hated the church we grew up in. He goes, look, it's not that he hated the people, but everything about that church, God hated what was done in his name. You needed to hear that, And for you? the first time in my life, I'm like, whoa, me and Big G were on the same side? Because I hated that church. I hated the Christian school. I hated the abuse. But I thought, well, that was God's organization. It was all done in the name of God. Yeah. And I didn't realize God hated it. And he goes, secondly, you know that God loves you? Yeah, yeah, God loves the world. I happen to be in the world. Therefore, I'm a byproduct, you know, God's love. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he had thought about it or the Spirit just gave it to him. But Mark goes, yeah, but here's what you need to know. God knows everything you're doing, and he still really, really likes you. Hmm. Pat, at that moment, God liking me was far more profound and deeper than God loving me. I knew God loved me, but he hated me, and he couldn't wait to do his hands on me. And my brother's like, no, he really, really likes you. Now, talking about choice, I had been making every wrong choice in my life for the last four years. You weren't a likable guy, you would think, in God's eyes. 
No, I was a real likable guy by the crowd I ran with. Yeah, Everyone, yeah. Where's Chris going Friday night? Who's Chris yeah. running? Well, we want to go there. But I hated being alone at night because when I was alone, I didn't like who I was with. I didn't even like me. I knew God couldn't wait to get his hands on me, which is ironic. Yeah. As if, you know, God was trying to find out where I was. If he, yeah. If he wanted to scorch me, he could have had me. Yeah. But my brother. But your brother started, telling you that he liked you. Far more like profound. that was more profound than him saying God loves you. Wait, why God think, loves the world. Why do you think that is? Okay. For God so loved the world, He gave His only You've begotten heard it Son. So many times. I had a well. I'm in the world. God loves the world. Yeah. God didn't love me. He God loves the world, and I'm part of people. God loves people, and I'm people. God knows everything you've been doing, and He really, really likes you. Rocked me. Hmm. I didn't even like me, hmm. and that started a journey. Now, at that moment, if someone said, "By the way, you're going to end up in church working at one," that's where I would have jumped out the window and ran. Yeah. Um, and my brother even said, you can come back to knowing who this God is without having to be part of a church. Now, that part may have been a little bit of a lie, but my brother knew I wasn't about to do church, but I needed this God. And uh, that's what started my, my life back. I started, How old were you? I was 22, really, when this happened. I'm driving heavy equipment. I'm driving bulldozers, graders. I'm doing fire breaks for the county. I'm just pushing trees over. Yeah. I'm having the time of my life. And I start hanging out at this Bible study. I start walking through this, and before I know it, the youth pastor loves my brother in the town we're in. Thought I was a lot like him. Man, was that a surprise to him. But he came to me and said, hey, we're taking a bunch of kids to camp. We have a huge youth group, and the adults are scared of it because they set a volunteer on fire last year at camp. And, and I'm like, like perfect place oh, for me. dude, set me. I would, I would <laughs> yeah, love yeah. to see some high school dude set me on fire. This is going to be great. And so I went to winter camp with him and fell in love with working with these 16, 17-year-old boys who just don't have dads. And I saw them going down the road. I was going down, and... They just wanted someone. They didn't want a 50-year-old adult to tell them what to do. They wanted a 22-year-old dude who had all the time and money to spend mm -hmm. on him just It was to just do life. barely mature, more mature than them. I wasn't more mature than them, but that's what <laughs> I, I had more money than them, and they were more mature than me, so it was a perfect combination. <laughs> yeah. And that's what started. And it was about a year of working with Jim Trail at Fallbrook First Baptist. I can't believe it was a Baptist church. And that's what brought me back in. And I started walking alongside wow. students. And a year into it, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm supposed to be a youth pastor? I hate youth pastors. I hate church. How do I get out of this? But at that moment, there was nothing else in the world I could do and be happy. And 31 years of kind yeah. of being in ministry, walking through stuff now has been crazy. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. That is crazy. So, so what are some of the choices that you made that you look back with regret on? <laughs> okay. Honestly, I mean, besides this interview, there has been quite a few things that I'm like, why did I put that on my schedule? I'm just joking. We're good. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Okay, I mean, the list is so huge, Pat. How I treated women, how I treated relationships. I had nothing to offer or give to a woman. I was a boy who just needed to take from femininity. It's disgraceful how God liked me. That's why my brother's words that God liked me knowing what I was doing, unheard of. But I really needed someone to know who I was and like me. Even in ministry, the choices you make, I look back and the things I'd said or things I put together that you know hurt someone just broke my heart, but the damage was already done. Mm -hmm. Using illustrations as a youth pastor where it was pretty widely known who I was talking about. I'm like, Chris, what were you doing? Mm -hmm. um, ministry, putting giftedness ahead of character for a lot of staff. You're putting together staff and I would seek giftedness, not character. We've associated giftedness with spirituality in our culture today and nothing could be further from the truth. Oh. So and I true. would platform giftedness instead of character, and man, did I pay for that! I gotta every be, time. I gotta be careful right now and not go down that road because I wanna mention I wanna just names. Start talking. Mention names. No, no, I just want, I, I want, I'm, I'm tempted to just 
take the rest of this podcast and oh, unpack yeah. what you just said. My but early leadership. About, but, oh, my early leadership. I was looking at my giftedness and how God was using me, and I'm like, oh, so I must be good. God's blessing yeah. me. And God's like, no, no, don't condone my patience with you as my pleasure with you. Um, but I was like, oh, look at my giftedness. Wait, 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 wait. Say that again. That's so good. Yeah, that was good. If you, if something comes from me and you're like, man, that's worth writing down, I probably took it from Larry Osborne and it just dripped into my head. Um, <laughs> Three thousand years ago, Solomon said, "There's nothing new under the sun." Oh, so good. We're then never I took it from anything. Solomon, not yeah, Larry Osborne. Um, don't confuse God's patience with you as His pleasure with you. God has patience with us, and we assume, "Hey, no lightning bolts are hitting me. My speaking's going great. I'm drawing numbers, so this thing might not be." So that clearly, bad. God's blessing you. It's Samson. Samson's riding the enemy. Samson has strength, but Samson's touching dead animals. He's eating honey. He's he's whipping a hundred dudes and stripping them naked to bring every vow he took about not touching dead bodies, being around dead. He's breaking them. But look, I get super strength, so it must be okay with God until his last super strength is the death of his life and those around mm -hmm. him. And go, mm -hmm. you confused God's patience with you for His pleasure with you. And giftedness does that yeah. because we hide behind our giftedness and go, man, God must really like me. Look how He's using me. And go, buddy, it's a slow fuse that's burning. And if you don't get it right, it will explode on you. But I did that in my life. I did that. I looked at giftedness in others instead of their character and, you know, platform that. That's been a huge one. How did how did God get through to you on some of those things? Because some He still is. You know, I, it still is. I am I think that's why my teaching even at North Coast is always I'm I've never preached at people. I put myself in the boat first yeah, and then yeah. I go, let me tell you I'm in this boat. Anybody else want to listen? And there's sometimes people go, Man, our pastor seems like he struggles with a lot. And I'm like, Yeah, he yeah. may be human. Yeah. I ain't gonna preach at you. I'm gonna tell you, man, God's constantly working in my heart and life and and I love that. But a lot of it's just through brokenness. Mm -hmm. You get to the end of brokenness and look back and go, God, why are you doing this? I don't have those. I look back and go, God, I saw what I did. Mm. <laughs> I saw you did. Our greatest nightmare should be to get away with our sin. Because if we can be successful in unfaithfulness, we have just paved a beautiful road of life and ministry without the Spirit. And you can make a career out of that. And our greatest sin should be to get, our greatest fear, nightmare, should be to get away with our sin. It is a God that pursues us, not to strangle us, not his wrath, but to say, I got to bring grace and mercy into your brokenness. Otherwise, you're going to stay on the path of brokenness or path man. without brokenness. Chris, when you were just saying that, I was just thinking, man, you can you imagine the, 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 the scariness of the prayer? God, don't let me get away with my sin. Yeah. Well, most Can of you us don't want to pray because we know our sin and we kind of like our sin. Yeah. Sin's fun. If sin isn't fun, you're doing it wrong and you're an idiot. Why sin if it's not fun? <laughs> Short term. Short term. Short term. Right. Well, because even long term. You can live in long term sin. There's long term affairs, long term pornography that can be involved in your ministry for the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. But you and the Lord knows it's a ministry out of your own self. It's a ministry that's just being run by the flesh. There's no fellowship with the spirit. There's no ease in it. And you know you're a hypocrite. You're standing on the stage yeah. and you're a poser. You're hiding. And you know it. But that's where you even mentioned that when you were younger, like when you were alone, you mm -hmm. didn't like yourself. No. I think that when we're living that way, when you're all alone and there's no one else, there's nothing, you can't be joking with anybody. There's no lot. There's, I mean, deep, deep, deep within yeah. your soul, you know, right? And you're not. That to me, the beauty of grace and mercy, when I learned to like me and be alone with me, which I thought was unfathomable, but I love, 
I love days where Amy came home on a Saturday and she goes, look, I'm taking all the kids and we're going, and we got birthday parties and we got something else or we got to go into the jump house with someone doing, and it's just me and college football on the couch. And I'm like, oh, I love being with me. I love what God has done in and through my life and that I don't love all that, who I am and what I've done, but in spite of that, I yeah. know how he sees me yeah. and I'm so okay being alone right now. Yeah. And I never thought I could get to that point. So speaking of that a little bit, like, how do we lead ourselves through failures? Like, I, I clearly, no one listening who's honest with themselves is going to look back and say, yeah, mm. I, I don't have any regrets. I've heard someone say that before. They're like, you know, I want to live with no regrets. It's not going to happen. I got a story about that. I got a story. T- we're a huge military church. Seriously? Chris, you got a story? I know. This is the only one. But listen, um, huge military church. We're on the back gate of Camp Pendleton. About 900 Marine families, part of our church, love the men and women, spouses, both yep. sides. Two kids in the sacrifice. Yep. Oh, you know it. Had a guy once that had a near death, thought he was going to die experience on the battlefield, came back from that and said, man, pastor, I got to tell you, from here on on, I'm living a life of no regret. And I'm like, man, I'm proud of you. Let's do it. He goes, no, you don't understand. Whatever I want to do, whatever lust I have, whatever passion, I'm tired of saying no to myself. I'm like, you got a wife and kids. And he goes, they're going to have to get used to it. I'm not going to put any boundaries, any barriers in my life from anything I desire to do. Within nine months, he has train wrecked his life, his marriage, his relationship with kids. And I remember telling him, what if your life of living with no regrets becomes your greatest regret? And that's where it gets it. This, hey, no regrets. You are going to regret that. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. So how, how do you lead yourself through failures? I mean, you, you've had to do it with yourself. Oh, I think, first of all, don't lead yourself through failures. Allow the Spirit to lead you through failures. you got to be open. It's the end of Psalms 139 where David goes, search me and try me. See if there's any unfaithful way. Is there anything in my life that's keeping me from the Spirit? Because we'll lie Bring to ourselves. Because, yeah, because I'm not going to lead me through failure. I'm going to lead me through Chris. You I'm, know, you know, with that answer, you're not going to be invited to these leadership talks because that's all, you know, how do you lead yourself through failures? Do you get on the stage by coming up with some quippy little quote What's or funny something? Is you you're assume just, I'm going to be invited to leadership talks. <laughs> I, first time I ever heard you, you were speaking at something that you never got invited back to. Well, that's the story of my life. <laughs> One of my favorite messages I've heard you speak on. Oh. Um, but we won't go there. So yeah. So I you're saying you, you really, you, you better be careful trying to lead yourself out of it. To, to lead yourself out of failure means you have the answer to your failure. You don't have the answer to your failure. Mm-hmm. The answer to your failure is freedom in Christ. It is forgiveness and it's grace and mercy. And it's you accepting it. Here's the beauty I love about failure. As, as far as I read scripture, failure in the Bible is never a person. It's an event. In the economy of God, failure is not a person. It's an event. But our events, because we have an enemy, tells me, Chris, you're a failure. Chris, look, you're a failure. And that's what I was under. Chris, here's, and Satan doesn't lie about you. You know, I've never gone to church and, you know, saying, hey, remember in 1992 what you did when you were in Dakotas, you had those two prostitutes, you had that bag of cocaine, and that night keeps coming back. And I'm like, oh, man, I shouldn't be teaching. And then I'm like, wait a second. I've never been in Dakota. I've never been with prostitutes or cocaine. And Satan's like, oh, I almost got you. No, that's stupid. That's not how he works. Satan right. doesn't lie about you. Yeah. Satan goes, hey, Chris, can you remember uh, 89 to 92? <laughs> he gives me years. And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. What if she's in the audience today? What if her husband's there today? What if you? And that's Satan has, I've armed him. I've given him all the ammo to make me feel like I'm a failure. But when you read scripture, failure may have been something you've done. It's not who you are unless you allow it to be. And so I can't lead myself. I need God's forgiveness, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just. He will forgive us and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Chris, 
It's not forgiveness you desperately seek. It's freedom from guilt and shame. I'm hanging on to my failures that have been long since forgiven because I haven't allowed the spirit to cleanse me from unrighteousness. I'm trying to deny it. It's like those old horror movies where you bury something alive and it and comes come, crawling keeps out. coming back. You can't outrun your past. I yeah. know people that have spent the last 15 years running from relationship to relationship, state to state, and they find out wherever they go, they are there. You can't outrun yourself. What you need to do is stop. You can't lead yourself from failure and accept grace and mercy, not just forgiveness, but freedom. And you take that and you stop and you hold it and say, God, thank you for this. Not that I did it, not that it was done to me, but God, thank you that in spite of this failure, Here's how you see me today. I'm a child of God. I'm a prince in the kingdom of heaven. I'm not just allowed to be called his son. I'm allowed to play a role in the kingdom. And every time your past comes up to haunt you, I take grace and mercy and the cleansing from under. I say, God, thank you. Thank you for that relationship. I'm so sorry I did it. But God, in spite of that, thank you for how you see me today. And what happens is then the enemy stops using your past against you because it's drawing me to worship. And now your past, your failure will be the enemy's greatest tool against you or God's greatest tool for you. I'm not afraid of someone raising their hand in a service right now and say, excuse me, I was in Fallbrook in 1991. I'm going to invite you to the mic and go, oh man, share with them the story. By the way, whatever this person is about to say is true. And I'm going to tell you about the grace and mercy that allows me to be who I am today. I'm not, I'm not hiding that. Mm -hmm. Man, that's been, there's not a failure in my past that makes me a failure. There are events that have been covered by the cross there's grace and mercy, and I get to walk in it. So you cannot lead yourself through failure. It's a Holy Spirit forgiveness and freedom from it. And then back to choice, I get to choose what I do with my past. Am I going to allow it to haunt me, or am I going to hold it and say, God, thank you. May yeah. it be part of my... It's the woman at the well. Come see a man who knows everything I've ever done. And according to the scorecards, the six guys I've ever done, and let me know there's living water for someone like me. Wow. <clears throat> Yeah. Boy, you pushed a button. That's my yeah. story, Pat. Well, but even with legalism, though. So legalism is part of your story. I and mean, what you're speaking about goes Ooh, against that, too, right? I had to shake that off. Yeah. I, th I think that's why I'm still a pastor that wears shorts and flip-flops and T-shirts. and Our little motto on our staff. Again, thanks for dressing up. Yeah. We do not take ourselves serious. We take the Word of God serious, but not ourselves. Yeah. Let's not get caught up in the boundaries of legalism again, adding the extras of God's Word. And this is what this is where our righteousness comes because from. Because it misses out on the freedom that you were just talking about, right? And it adds new failure. Yeah. Now my yeah. failure isn't sexual or sin. My failure is not being holy enough. Oh, man. Welcome to Old Testament law. Yeah. We're in a new covenant, a new forgiveness. So, so okay, jump into that. You uh, you teach on the Bible a lot. You're a great speaker, communicator. Who are some of your favorite characters that we have in this thing we call the Bible? Wow, that are characters of failure, overcoming failure, working through failure. This is this is my church has a running joke that whatever I'm teaching, I'm like, guys, this is my favorite passage in the Bible, and they all laugh. And I'm like, it is. Well, this week it was because I lived in it. Man, it's just. Yeah. Okay. Old Testament. If I had to pick one, gosh, there's so many. I, I love Barak. I named my son Barak just after the general because well, that's a whole story. But David, Old Testament, big surprise, and Peter, New Testament. And what do you, why do two of the biggest failures in the Bible that were allowed to still play a role in God's kingdom in spite of who they were? Mm -hmm. David was taught to us so wrong in Sunday mm -hmm. school. Here's a man after God's own heart. Boys and girls, be like David. 
oh, my wife, my neighbor's wife, praise to God, I don't become like David. Yeah. My kids pray yeah. that their dad yeah. is never like David. We've taught that with Sunday School Eyes. Our church is doing a series right now. We're 50 weeks in the life of David. And I've got so many Christians, been Christians for 40, 50 years coming up going, I was a little bummed when we said we're going to spend a year in David because that's when I knew. Man, do I realize I've never read First and Second Samuel. He was not supposed to be a Sunday school example of what boys and girls are supposed to look they like. They skipped those parts. Like, we're old enough to talk Whoa. about flannel graph boards, right? Man. Those are some of the stories we didn't see on our flannel graph boards. Nope. When we well, I never colored this David. one. <laughs> yes. Yep. The little colorings. Yeah, yeah exactly. When you walk into Sunday school. did. Yeah, his color. He, I mean, the guy wore a white miniskirt. I mean, that's how he appeared on the flannel graph. He played a harp, and he has... The his, white crayon, by the way, was the worst one, wasn't just, yeah, it? It's like, like, is it colored? Is it not? Well, yes. at least outline There's some dress. wax on it now. Yeah. Um, and then his weapon of choice was a sling. Yeah. Like, you don't even have to get close to the battle first. I like the chain with the spiky bowling ball. And so everything about him, and he always had a little lamb. Like, not a big one. He always carried a yeah. little lamb. Little lamb, so slingshot, and a white miniskirt. I'm hunting, you know, I'm hunting water moccasins, turtles, soft-shelled turtles. And then this guy gets put on the board and goes, boys and girls, look, look, this is a man after God's own heart. Not once again, I was like, well, God don't like me then, because mm -hmm. there's nothing about this kid that matches me. This was a moment supposed to be read in C-17 at best with adult eyes and go, oh, David is an example for me to learn from to see that God is the main character in the story, not him. Oh, I pray to God I never become like David. My wife prays, don't ever let Chris become like David. Um, don't get me wrong. He's got some credible high points, but his lows are the lowest in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And people people just don't read them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we did a series on it, man, and it's been so beneficial to the church just looking at, basically, it's a 50-week study on failure and knowing who God is in spite of us. Wow. So I'm teaching him right now. So, okay, favorite character, Old Testament David. But whoever I teach next, Pete, he'll be your favorite. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then Peter, because, oh, man, was this guy allowed to be with Jesus even though he got it? I mean, he's the guy that talked Jesus out of the cross. At least that, yeah. that was his best. He's like, I got to keep this guy from dying. And I'm like, you talked salvation off of the Bible. I'm glad Jesus didn't listen to you, yeah. but he called yeah. him Satan. And, yeah. <laughs> but then you see what he turns out to become mm -hmm. and go, oh, when Peter gets a hold of grace and mercy after denying Jesus, cussing about him the night that he dies. When Peter, and that's why he has to have the remember, a risen Jesus appears. The disciples don't show up for the first Easter service. Three times Jesus used social media to say, look, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to allow them to kill me. Three days later, I'm going to pull off Easter. And Jesus comes out of the tomb and no one's there for Easter. And he's like, man, these guys couldn't yeah, even trust yeah. me for three days. And so he sends word, tell all the disciples to meet me. And I love that little phrase, you know, tell the disciples and Peter. Well, Peter's mentioned by name because Jesus loves him. No, Peter's mentioned by name because he knows his failures have got him locked out of the club. There's no way he wants to see him face to face right now. Peter, well, whatever of type what of people, yep. whatever type of people God is looking for, it ain't me because I know who I am and what I've done. So he gets the only invite by name because Jesus knows he's not showing up. He blew his shot. You know, I've often thought about this with Peter, too, that the moment in Jesus' entire life that he needed Peter the most, mm -hmm. that's when he failed him. Yeah. We've all failed Jesus. Mm -hmm. But while Jesus is getting the smack beat out of him at his trial, getting a crown of thorns and his back laid open, I have never stood in that courtroom and cursed Jesus. Yeah. That was Peter's. Yeah. That's why he's not invited to the club anymore. And that's why Jesus calls him by name. That type of betrayal is why I took the cross. Man, that, when I, my life needed that. My life didn't need some Jeremiah, oh, God has a great plan for you to bless your life. And I'm like, shut up. What I need to hear is, 
you are just a garbage bag full of filth and you are called by name and you are really, really liked by a creator that knows you have made all the wrong choices in this game of choice. Yeah. That's what I need to hear. Still constantly today. And this See how I brought it back to choice? See what I'm I doing did. for you? Yeah, I did. Working you're masterful. That's why we needed you on this podcast. Do you know what's... The, the, the incredible thing about that is that God then actually even uses our brokenness. Oh. Right? Like, not only does he like us in spite of it, but he ends up using it. So, again, the story that we're making the movie out of No Gray Areas. Yeah. These are two guys. They were both about 22 to 24 years old at the time. And they're still paying. They're in their 50s now, early 50s, and they're still paying for the consequences of their mm. choices. They both still carry felon. And then everywhere they go, one of the guy lost his NBA career out of it. So, you know, when they wow. go talk to youth, they're often talking about, like, be careful. The choices you make, you're going to carry with you. Yeah. But the beauty of the stories that you're speaking of, and even your own story, is not only does God still like you in spite of those, you're still you're going to have to deal with consequences, but he'll sometime, he'll somehow work those for oh. good, right? Even this, being able to share who I am in my story. You know, I'm not going to come in and go, hey, I want you to come and talk about the size of your church, success you have. I'm like, get somebody else. Yeah. That, none of that's due to me or about me. You want to get me going, go, I'm going to talk about failure. Why? Because there's somebody watching or listening to this podcast going, I don't like being alone because when I'm alone, I don't like who I'm with. Mm -hmm. You will never lead yourself out of there. you got to allow Christ and the size of that cross and grace and forgiveness to lead you out of there and to give you a new title and identity. You're not fair. Failure is something you've done. It's not who you are. You're allowed to think that for the rest of your life. That's the enemy. Or you can see yourself as fruitful. Your past will be the greatest weapon against you or for you. I love that, Pat. There's not a place I go where I don't talk about, let me tell you what God's done in spite of me. Yeah. I love how you say it's an event. It's not yeah. you. Your failure. And your event could be 10 years of failure. But still, it, it's, it's a choice it's you made. It's not you. God no. cannot see people as failure. God mm -hmm. did not give his son for failures. Mm -hmm. He saw that your choices made you think you're a failure. Yeah. Um, but you're not. It's redeemable. Yeah. Again, it's the woman at the well. She's been in five marriages. The guy she's sleeping with right now isn't her husband. That's why she's at the well at noon. The women come to the well in the morning in the cool of the day. She's trying to get away from all the talk. She's trying to get away from her story. Her greatest nightmare is that she's going to be found out. And Jesus stops at that well, sends the disciples into town. This is why I have to go through Samaria. Because he knows he's going to meet her and let her know. True worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. We've got a lot of Christians today trying to worship God spiritually, but they're not worshiping God with the truth of them. And you will not worship God just spiritually. You're going to have a great Sunday service. You're going to have a great hallelujah jamboree Friday night. You're going to have a great worship time. And by the time you get to your car, you're back to you and the truth. Mm -hmm. And God says, I want the truth. Mm -hmm. So he goes after the woman. And once he finds the disciples on the shore, he pulls Peter aside and says, do you love me? Do you love me? I know you rejected me and cursed me three times. I need the truth. Otherwise, your truth is going to haunt you. It's one of my favorite and I want to set you free. Yeah. Mm. And the truth, and, and then the, it's so interesting the words that she uses, right? Come and see the one who knows everything, everything. about me. I'm trying to hide trying everything to hi about yes. me. And yes. now it's part of her story. In one afternoon, she's set free from herself. Yeah. She encountered Jesus at the well. It took me a little longer than that. But still, that's the purpose of most Christians aren't struggling with forgiveness, they're struggling with freedom from their past. Yeah. You know, I've talked to Christians. How many of you still feel, how many of you believe this? One, I love to do this talk. How many of you believe that if you ask for forgiveness, Jesus will completely forgive you? All the hands. Christians raise their hands. How many of you have asked for forgiveness for the exact same event more than five times? Almost every hand. I'm like, you hypocrites. 
You just told me you're forgiven. Why do you keep going? It's not forgiveness. It's the it's guilt the and shame you still yep. carry. Yep. And that you haven't dealt with at the well or at the cross. Yep. Mm. And that's where truth comes in, right? That's why you got to worship God with truth. The truth of it. You're allowing your past to be used against you. Well, I wanted to end this podcast by asking you to leave us with some hope as we were talking about leading ourselves through failure. But yeah. all you've been speaking about is the hope in that, right? Not not in us leading ourselves, yeah. but the fact that we can't. And the hope is in the fact yeah. that... Here's the hope. You've got a lot of failures. You can't lead yourself out of failure. Good news, the cross was big enough and the spirit cleanses you from guilt and shame. Yeah. You fall into that and you'll find freedom, not just forgiveness. That's your hope. You only bring failure to the game. You don't bring a road out. Yeah, He does. If you have a way to lead yourself through failure, the cross was unnecessary. Yeah. That is good. That might not be from Larry Osborne. That yeah. may have been mine. That was a that was Chris <laughs> Chris truism right there. Yeah. Well, Chris, thanks so much, man. I yeah. really appreciate it. I think again when we talk about the theology of choice, the value of choice, the power of choice that God gave us, like you said, it's the first few uh, pages in the Bible. It's part yeah. of the story. We really screw that up as humans. Mm. We also see that that we do well with that as humans at yeah. times too. Even people that don't know God, you see beauty, truth, and goodness. Great choice all over the world. Yeah, choice yeah. to love. But I, I love what you say and what you're leaving us with that you can try to lead yourself out of your failures. We've all tried it. Yeah. And I think anybody listening knows when they're mm. all alone with themselves, mm. they know they can't do it. Good luck being your own savior. Yeah. If yeah. you could have, then the cross is ludicrous. Yeah. But then mm. we have a God that likes us. Yeah. That's great truth. He cannot, will not ever take his eyes, his hands off of us because he made us to be his. He knows we're full of trash. He knows we've messed the diapers. He knows we stink, but we are his. And we don't think we're lovable and likable that way. But man, you there's two truths. There's the truth of who you are and what you deserve, and that's real. And there's the truth of how God sees you. Most of us live in the truth of who we are and what we deserve. Mm -hmm. There's a higher truth you have to accept. Even though this is true, here's how God sees you. And that was hard for me to accept because I couldn't forgive myself. What would you recommend to someone? Because I know there's some people listening who would say, you just you just talked about those two. I'm definitely over here. Yeah. What would you recommend to them? Right now, I'd say the simplest thing is you need to go to the well. You need to find a spot where you can sit with God and say, I'm tired, tired of running from it, trying to cover it, trying to bury it, and trying to hide it. Because God, you know it. I just need to sit here and go, God, here's my past and here's my greatest sin and failures. I'm not asking for forgiveness because I've done that a hundred times. It's forgiven. God, free me from guilt and shame. And mm -hmm. by doing that, you hold it open and say, God, thank you. Not that it happened, not that it was him, but God, thank you that in spite of this, I'm going to start walking as someone who is loved, someone who is liked, someone who is wanted, and someone you are passionate about. I have a new title. I'm going to leave this truth about me and walk in a higher truth. Now, let me tell you, that's a commitment you make, but it's a lot like dieting. You make a commitment to diet and you didn't lose 80 pounds. Um, you've now got to walk out that commitment. Almost every day, that thought's going to come back, and you grab mm -hmm. that thought, and you do the same prayer. God, that's true. I'm not going to deny it, but in spite of that, I'm going to choose to know that I am loved, I am liked, I am deeply wanted, and you're passionate about me, and I'm going to walk as your child. Yeah. I promise you, it's only going to be a matter of weeks or months before you stop doing it daily. Then you may only do it once a week. And then you're going to say, you know what? I only had that guilt or shame once this month. And then the next thing you know, you're going to go, hey, come see a guy that knows everything about me, including this, 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 and this, 91 to 93. Yeah. Can't help but think of one of my favorite verses, and I mean it this time. John 8, when the sun sets you free, you're oh, free indeed. Free right? indeed. It's, it's, it's God's heart for us. Freedom. Not, not just that, like, I love what you said, not just forgiveness, but freedom. Yeah. I freedom. thought I was wrestling with forgiveness. I had no problem with forgiveness. I had not tasted freedom in Christ. And I love 
the freedom. I guarantee you there's a bunch of listeners right now that are going, I I get the forgiveness thing. It's that freedom thing I desperately want. So thank you. Well, hey, we end our podcast with a fun little game. So they've been listening to you for about 45 minutes. I've known you for a couple of years. Two truths and a lie. Okay. See if you can stump us. Two truths and a lie. And you got to pick which the lie is. Okay. I have been bitten by a shark once. I danced with Maasai warriors after killing a lion. And I painted the big Hollywood sign that overlooks Los Angeles that you see in all the iconic movies and postcards. (laughs) I've been bit by a shark once. I danced with the Maasai tribe after killing a lion, and I painted the Hollywood sign. (laughs) I I have no... It's three lies and no truth, right? Is that the game? No, there you go. Two truths and a lie. That's. I usually do pretty well with this. I don't have a clue. I do like how you how you made sure to say once with the shark. I've been bitten by a shark once. It's hard to be bitten numerous times, but you also know I'm a big saltwater fish. I do, I do. So that's why I'm going to say it's truth because you you're out in the ocean a lot. So were you bitten by a shark once? Nope. Oh, that's. You're so proud of That's yourself. the lie. Look at you. You're so proud of yourself. I am. I'm so right. That's the one I pick going. People that know me know I'm a saltwater freak. Yeah. I love it. I've caught a lot of sharks, a lot of mako, a lot of thresher, caught some blues, but I'm, I'm never, I've respected the head of a shark. Even yeah. once you cut it off, we're flaying it. It's yeah. still in the corner of the boat chewing on the gun rail. So. Yeah. No, I was with the Maasai tribe out in the Serengeti after they'd kill a lion and they did the big orange, uh, they wear these orange yeah. and they pogo. And they're and the ones that jump up and, and they down. Like brought me yeah. out. It was with Compassion International. They're like, come on. So I'm out, I'm jumping. I didn't kill the lion, but it was after a lion kill. And I'm jumping up and down like, I'm in National yeah. Geographic. This is amazing. Yeah. And uh, one of the paint contractors I saw that church, National Geographic and you were not in the picture. You must have been just outside of the frame. My vertical doesn't quite go <laughs> with these boys. Just a little but bit it was, of hair at the bottom of the photo. It was an amazing experience. Um, and then I, one of our painting contractors got the thing to, to paint the big Hollywood sign. And he goes, hey, Chris, is our we have lifts up there and everything. You can't get to that sign. It's It's got so much surveillance, so much video, so much, because everyone tries to get yeah, up there. Yeah. And he's like, it's locked down. But he said, we're going up. And I said, oh, heck yeah. So they put me up on the lift and I'm on the D and I took a video crew with me and I'm painting it and I did something up on the Hollywood. But I'm like, oh yeah, I painted the D on the Hollywood. When sign. was that? Recent? No. Long time ago? Yeah. That's like pretty cool. 14 though. years That's ago. pretty cool. Well, Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it, man. Love what you do, buddy. Thank you. Love what you do. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us on the No Gray Areas podcast. I think you would agree that today's episode with Chris Brown was incredibly powerful. And so would you remember that your failure is only an event. It's not a character quality. So I ask you, how will you choose love today, this week, this month? Remember to subscribe to the No Gray Areas podcast, like us and share us. Thank you.